Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. As you have probably heard, (laughs) a group of Fairmount High Schoolers and adults traveled to the Dominican Republic this past June for a cultural immersion and service trip. This was the first youth trip since before the pandemic and follows a long legacy. How many of you here today um, have participated in a youth or adult trip to the Dominican Republic with Fairmount? Raise your hands high and proud. Amazing, take a look around, awesome. Our church has a beautiful history of doing ministry on the island. Since the 1980s, Fairmount has been sending young people there for various types of service-oriented trips. They helped lay the foundation of a now thriving hospital and supported medical, food, and construction initiatives throughout the years. In 2014, Fairmount made a 25-year commitment to a community called the Bate 105 of about 100 people living and working on a sugarcane farm. It's a gift to reflect on the amazing work that God has already done through this ministry over the years and now to be a part of it. As youth and chaperones prepared for this summer's trip to learn about the ministry, we held all of those necessary meetings, a cultural competency training, we learned about the exploitative bate farming system, and talked ad nauseum about proper footwear and wearing plenty of sunscreen. Spoiler alert, almost all of us still got sunburnt. (laughs) We did team building activities and created artwork, which you can see here to reflect our intention before setting off on our journey. And during one of those preparation sessions, an elephant in the room emerged out of the corner when one of the youth admitted, I keep having to explain to my friends that this trip is not like one of those problematic Christian mission trips. What did she mean by that? While our trip is technically not a mission trip, it resembles one. You see, all too often, well-meaning American Christians embark on international service trips with the best of intentions, but it's become widely understood that not all mission trips are helpful. Some are even harmful. In 2012, Nigerian-American writer and historian Teju Cole coined the term white savior industrial complex. I'm seeing some nods in the audience. And Cole's writing soon became a viral phenomenon. In short, Cole's critique was to, quote, implore Western white do-gooders to rethink doing good in two ways. First, own up to the motives that drive philanthropic interventions so that Personal catharsis does not subsume the real need for others. Second, consider the structural underpinnings and historical legacies that together sustain the very infrastructure of the problems that captivate our activist hearts. Broadly speaking, 
Christian missions have a long and complicated history rooted in colonization and imperialism. Today, they're marked by characteristics like offering superficial and short-term solutions to deep issues, spiritual abuse that disregards or belittles beliefs and practices of indigenous people, and harm done due to lack of volunteer expertise. This tension that I think we're maybe all feeling right now, you're like, aren't we supposed to be celebrating this ministry today? <laughs> we are, don't worry, we're going there. But this awareness has pushed ministry groups like Bridges to Bate through the years to take an earnest look at the work they have been doing and ask important questions. What are the mistakes we've made? And how can we best serve and empower the people we are serving to flourish. Indeed, the desire to cultivate deeper bonds and yield long-term positive outcomes was the impetus for this 25-year commitment. Now, as we near the 10-year milestone of this partnership, we are invited to wonder about the evolution of the commitment to the Bate 105. We approached our visit to the Batay with the mindset that our work was to listen, learn, and recognize that we don't have all the answers to the problems people are facing in the Batay 105. Let's jump to the first day in the village. After our first tour among the colorful tin houses through the sugarcane fields, we went into the church to start organizing. We needed to think through how we were going to work with the community to complete a ground cleanup and establish a long-term trash management plan. We brought everyone together so that we could ask the community to ask if the community was in agreement about the project and to work together to figure out how they would keep it going in the future. To my surprise, the conversation was complicated. While the people of the village did want to create a system to manage their trash and recycling, there were deeper issues at play. We learned that the people did not prioritize trash management because their only real concern is surviving and providing for their families. Taking on another task that they are not getting paid for just isn't worth it. Most importantly, we learned that there was some lack of trust and communication within the community that could keep the project from being sustainable. Once we started to understand that, we recalculated and turned our attention to building trust, listening, and rethinking our plan. We worked with the Bate community leaders to come to an agreement about how they wanted to carry out and oversee the project. In the end, the community chose four members who were willing to take time every week to lead the community in managing trash and recycling. They named the project 105 Siempre Limpio, which means 105, always clean, in Spanish. It was a long day of deliberation, collaboration, and discussion. We initially felt a little overwhelmed and confused. We learned that patience, trust, and communication are key to, or to community organization. On that first day, I observed our youth learning in real time that the healing work of collaboration and community organizing is hard. They were feeling the pinch 
of, first of all, it was really hot, the heat, but frustration that act activists, nonprofit, and faith leaders feel because the work of addressing systemic issues that marginalized communities face, it often themes, seems insurmountable. Doing a community cleanup is all well and good, but without collaborating with the community to listen to their needs and concerns, it is a temporary fix. Holding community conversation about the challenges of trash management was the healthiest way for the community to dictate how they wanted to engage change on their own terms. This process also helped our youth understand the underlying social, economic, and political issues that underpin an otherwise seemingly simple project, cleaning up trash. But there were other profound ways our time with the people of the Bate shaped our understanding of cross-cultural ministry. On our third day in the village, we were invited to an older gentleman's house to hear some of his stories and learn about his life. Even in the humid 90-degree weather, the tin roof of the house made it hotter inside than outside. His house was one room, similar to the size of my own bedroom, with a curtain separating his bed from the main area. In the corner, a small fire burned underneath a pot of food. I was surprised when he offered us a place to sit in his chair. Everyone in our group was hesitant, including me. In my experience, I'm used to just standing or sitting at a table rather than in the host's chair. However, we were encouraged by our translator, Rebecca, to take a seat. Lucy politely sat down, and I noticed that the man seemed happy to have guests to share his home with. As he began to share his story, he told us that many of the houses had sustained damage from the hurricane last year. He showed us how his bed was lifted off the ground to avoid flooding from the tropical storms. Although this experience seemed mundane, I walked away with a new feeling of gratitude. A lot of the trip to the Bate made me grateful for the privilege I have in my life. However, I also felt grateful to be welcomed into this community that was so new to me. I admit that on the first day of seeing the Bate, I was nervous that we wouldn't have such a warm welcome. But the people of the village greeted us with smiles and shared their homes and stories with us. Throughout the week, it was clear that our youth were doing deep reflection on their privilege. They were sobered and humbled by recognizing the resources and advantages available to them through their families, schools, church, and communities. But they didn't respond with pity or with guilt. Instead, they focused their attention on gratitude. Gratitude for the holiness, beauty, and bounty they both experienced and received in the Bate 105. They appreciated what the Bate 105 community had that they, back in Northeast Ohio, felt was lacking. They keenly noticed how the people of the community practiced a fluid and loving kind of interdependence, caring for each other actively in a way we don't always experience in our own culture. It's true. We experienced a great deal of generosity and hospitality. Toward the end of our first day in Bate 105, a few people made rings out of palm leaves for us. It felt like I was getting a warm hug from the whole community because these few people took time out of their day to make a wel welcoming gift. While cleaning up trash and recycling in the batay, a few girls plucked beautiful pink flowers and put them in our hair. 
I felt very thankful to be where I was. Later that same day, Kate was trying to jump up and get a mango from a tree, and one of the elders in the community saw her. He called over some kids to run up the tree and shake it so that we all could taste freshly ripened mangoes. But one quality in the community really stood out. I was amazed to see that even though all of the families live in separate houses, there was always someone looking out for someone else. There was a baby who was only a few months old, and there were many different people always holding him and taking care of him. At first, whenever Kate would ask if the person taking care of him was his mom, they would say no. There were so many hands to take care of to care for and hold this baby. I can imagine there are many moms here today who would love that kind of support. <laughs> this showed me that the people in the Batay are consistently willing to show hospitality to one another. So how do these reflections on our cultural immersion trip relate to the story of Jesus healing the man on the mat by the pool? At first blush, it seems this is yet another one of Jesus's physical healing miracles. But there is another, and I would argue more important, miracle that happens. The man's healing is not just in his sudden ability to walk, but first in his acceptance of Jesus's invitation. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well? If you do a double take on this story, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't actually do anything to bring this man healing. He doesn't pour the healing pool water over his legs or lay hands over him. At least, that's not what we're told in Scripture. The Christ empowers this man to fully accept his own desire to be made well. And I wonder if, in this moment, Jesus knew the man had what he needed to heal— and Jesus wouldn't do for him what he was perfectly capable of doing on his own. Anyone who has ever spent time in therapy, currently, uh, in grief counseling, in AA meetings or Al-Anon meetings, knows that invisible healing is its own kind of mountain. It requires a surrender to the need for healing before any work can be done. From my own lived experience, I believe this kind of soul work requires us to undo lies that we have been systematically fed for generations. As American Christians, we have been told a big lie. We've been told the lie that we are exceptional that we are inherently the good guys who know what's best for the rest of the world. As our youth pointed out before they set foot in the bate, we need to be honest with ourselves about our motives and beliefs before traveling to another culture to do the good work of the gospel. My friends, we need to be spiritually self-aware enough to always remember that we, the people in this room, we are not the healers, but take heart. The story of the man and his mat is really a story about what happens when a human allows God to work through them. This cannot happen without his surrender. 
the man on the mat, his acceptance of God's help, his surrendering to the offer, do you want to be healed? Our Bridges to Bate ministry aims to support the village in their own self-directed flourishing through changes like improved communal health, access to education, stability, and food security. This happens only through mutual relationship. Only through mutual relationship is true restoration possible. We have begun walking the path of repairing trust so that Bate leaders can develop the tools necessary to identify how they want to enact healing in their own lives. As we dream about the next 15 years of partnership with the Bate 105, we must remain rooted in the gospel truth that any restorative work we facilitate only comes through God's grace. It is God on the move through us and through our mutual relationships that brings restoration. God does the healing. Can you say it with me? God does the healing. Only when we are able to see each other as healer and the one who needs to be healed and as healer, the one who needs to be healed, and as healer, the one who needs to be healed. That's when we accept God's invitation into transformation in its fullness. Power dynamics, when that happens, shift closer into balance. And the one who holds the ultimate healing power is exalted. With that kind of openness and humility leading our path or lighting our path, it's exciting to think about the unexpected ways that God will work through Fairmounters and work through the people of the Bate 105 to yield unimaginable healing for all of us, for all of us. This we deliver to you in the name of one God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.